everybody, and welcome to Books Unbound, the podcast where we unbind books to get to their hearts with your hosts, me, it's Ariel, and me, Raylene. And today, our special guest, it's Sana. Say hello, Sana. Hi. Oh, Sana, we're so I, we're so pleased to have you here. Um, I just asked before we started recording how to pronounce your last name because you're here on, on a very happy occasion. Your book is out. Is it out now? It, it is, is out. out. Oh it came God. out, yeah. It's out. It came out a few days ago for us now, but obviously... It will have been a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When this episode comes out. Totally. I was like, uh, I've got to say her last name because I can't do that cringe thing where I just do your username. You know, people aren't going to go onto a book website and like type in, hey, does Waterstones have Books and Quills book? Although that <laughs> is that what work? is on the cover. Books and Quills is what's oh, on the cover. Really? Yeah. <gasps> I love, I actually love that because that's like where it came from, right? Yeah, that's exactly. your online persona that For made sure. this happen. Oh, I love that. Well, your last name is Vliegenhart though. Correct. You told me, say it in your beautiful, in your accent though. So full name is <laughs> Sonne Vliegendhart. Oh, oh, beautiful. the soft G there, un- unapproachable. Um, but yes, so I, we'd love to hear a little bit about you. What do you do online before we jump into asking you the questions that we ask all of our guests, your favorite author, your favorite books, etc. I can't wait because these are so uh, difficult. These were so these difficult. really stress, they really stress Whew. people out. <laughs> So it's a low pressure. You're allowed to change your mind the second the recording stops. Um, But yeah, what do you do? So, okay, I'm going to start with I've been making YouTube videos since 2008. I feel so old. I I kind of started by talking about books partly and then books became, they've always been part of it from the beginning, but more and more it's become booktube because it was before booktube existed. The word booktube didn't exist. And then when it existed, I was like, yes, that is me. That's great. Um, And then I've also worked in publishing, in YA publishing as a social media producer, and I'm currently a freelancer, still working in publishing, um, social media, video, everything related to that, still making YouTube videos. And then, Mm -hmm. yeah, also created the book club journal this year. Yeah. Can you share with everyone what the book club journal is? Because I feel like it's actually a very unique thing. It's not just a book journal. We've all heard of a book journal. Me and Raylene, I remember we were like, at one point, it would be so cool to make a Books Unbound book journal where you get to like track your reading offline. But this is sort of different. This is more specific. Yeah, so this is definitely made with people who are part of a book club in mind, although you can also totally mm. use it as a book journal if you'd like. But the idea is that okay, it's yeah. a guided journal. So basically you have like four pages for each book that you want to document. And it has it has a full page where you can write whatever you want as well. But it also has sort of prompts and questions and kind of mm. moments that you can kind of take a moment and write down some of your thoughts. It has space to write down those character names that during a discussion you can never think of. Some <laughs> some space to think about the themes and to think about like who you recommend this to or would you recommend this? So it's really, it kind of takes you on the journey through writing down your thoughts. And I think sometimes it's nice to start with that rather than a blank page. Although I found it very yeah. important that I didn't want there to be a page that you could like fill in however you wanted. And then I also wrote a few chapters slash like, I don't really want to call them essays, but just tips on how to mm. run like a book club online, um, tips oh, on cool. like what you should take notes on and like what kind of food you can prepare if you have a book club gathering in <laughs> person again. Oh my God. Um, oh my God. And then the hardest bit was 200 book recommendations in 20 <laughs> themed reading lists. Whoa, Sana, above and beyond That here. was really hard. That was really hard, but it was That's fun not, to do. That sounds, what are some examples of the lists? Because that sounds so hard. So I have one that I really like that is short books for busy readers. So if you want to Ooh, kind that. of have short books, there's ones about sort of like um, talking about issues that are in the news, but through fiction, which is quite interesting mm. as well. Oh, and obviously there's like, dystopian apocalyptic reading list i put in a a, like cheerful one as well which is the hardest for me because i read quite (laughs) i read a lot of sad books a lot of tragic books so i kind of had to get a bit of help from friends sometimes as well with certain lists so i would talk to friends and who um who had like very particular recommendations on on certain topics Mm. That's so awesome. Our last um, podcast guest, Brenna Thumler, her favorite genre of books was stressful books. So apparently all of our guests in like have a difficult time with cheerful reading. Oh yeah, definitely. Which I kind of understand. What, what's the point of the human struggle if you can't write and then read about it? Um, 
Okay, well, the book sounds amazing. Like we said, it's available now. So check it out. We're, we've linked it in the show notes here. Um, but if you want to just go to check out Sana's socials, it's at Books and Quills, which is just so classy. I know you've had that username for like, whatever, 13 years now, but mm, it, it's so good every I'm time. I'm so glad I still like it because I could have very easily hated it by now, but I did a, somehow I did a good job picking that that many years ago. I mean, it's, it's elegant, it's classy. You don't need me to tell you how good it is, but I really like it. Um, all right, so it is time for us to do our little Q&A. This is an opportunity for us to learn about you as a reader, you as your reading taste, what kind of genres you like, etc. cetera. Uh, question number one is favorite author. Dun, dun, dun. So difficult. <laughs> I've done two, but only because one of them is Dutch. And I thought that'd be maybe okay, cool. slightly obscure. But, and it's actually my favorite yeah, childhood that. author. It's Thea Beckman. And I still have a shelf of so many of her books. A lot of her books were written in the mm. 80s, 90s, the children's books, but they're like mm-hmm. chunky, 300, 400, even more page books. Um, and in a way that like YA didn't exist back then. So it's kind of that bridging, (laughs) it's that bridging literature. So they call it children's literature, but I feel like people could read it, you know, an older age as well. And it was a lot of, it was my first ever apocalyptic book I read. And I remember my mind was absolutely blown about like a society led by women in Greenland after like a nuclear war. Oh my God, I loved it. Wow. Um, and a lot of historical fiction like set in Amsterdam, like a teenage girl in Amsterdam who's an orphan, that kind of vibe. That sounds cool. I Have any that. of her books been translated to English? I don't think so. And I want to make Ugh, a case sorry. for them. I want to bring them back. <laughs> Boo. Can you do it? Don't you have a degree in translation, Sana? I do, but I don't think I have enough practice. <laughs> <laughs> this I feel like this is like a bucket list item. By the time you're 80, you should have translated one of her I books would like and have to, it, had it published. Yeah, I would like to either if I'm not doing it myself, I would like to be part of the process of like yeah. making sure it happens. So one day maybe. And then Wow, I love that. My English language author, I'm going to say Garth Nix, mostly because mm. that is the author who I've read multiple books from that I really like. I think I have a few authors where You'll hear it when I talk about my favorite books, but I would have only read one book hmm. by the author, so I don't want to call them my favorite. Right. So Garth Nix wrote yeah. the Old Kingdom trilogy and a bunch of other series and some books attached to that trilogy. And it's, um, again, also a bit older. I think it's about 20, maybe even older, over 20 years. And it's a fantasy mm. series with um, some great female protagonists I absolutely, absolutely love. Really? And have you read any Garth Nix books? It's funny, actually, I have. When I was really young, I read one from, I don't know what it was called, but something about a tower. There was a trilogy with the tower. <laughs> I don't know cool. what it's called. I'll look it up while we chat. But Does I remember it have I had necro- like an necromancy omnibus. in it, or is it not? It's not the Old Kingdom one. No, I don't think so. It was like the dark, not the Dark Tower. That's definitely wrong. I'm sure he's written many more than I even know. Yeah, the Seventh Tower. That's what it's called. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. So I've read the first, <laughs> I think, three books in that. I think it's actually six books long. But I had an omnibus of the first three, and so as a mm. young young me read that because I loved big books when I was a little kid, even though that was actually three books. But I thought that was very cool. <laughs> and I'm lucky because I got to work with him for my job as well when I was working at Hotkey Books. Oh, wow. And I've, so I've been yeah. on tour with him. I've interviewed him. So I feel like I have just a general attachment, That's I would say. That's so cool. I wish I could have that with George Orwell. <laughs> but for uh, clear and obvious reasons, it's not going to work out. Um, all right, Sana. <clears throat> the big moment. Your favorite book. <laughs> Is it cheating if I have three? No, it's Absolutely fine. Absolutely not. <laughs> So my all-time favorite that I tell people is my favorite is Withering Heights. Mm. Even though that is a book that I do have like difficulty reading, mm-hmm. it's not an easy read. But mm. I just that the story, mm. there's so much messed up stuff in it. I'm very aware. <laughs> uh, but something about that story, just ever since I read it, when I don't even know how old I was, probably like a teenager, that's yeah. just stuck with me. Adaptations of it, just like visiting where it's set. I just love everything about it. Uh, then I'm also putting in Station Eleven to like Oof. represent the yeah. apocalyptic, yes. readable but literary. I just again wow. read that and was like, I knew this was going to be up my street, but I didn't know it was going to be this much yeah. up my street. Like this is where my house is on this street. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is my street. <laughs> and then the last one's a weird one, and but the people who love this book are very vocal about that they love this book, and I always hesitate to include this. But it's The Host by Stephanie yes. Meyer. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, Raylene also loves this book. I so you're love the host. <laughs> when I think about a book that I've read so many times that, mm. like, I remember reading as a teenager and going through, like, finishing it and then is wanting to start it again. Yeah. And it has so many bits that I love. And again, there's problematic things in it, but I just, I love that book. Yeah, I've been dying to yeah. reread that one because we, Ariel and I reread the whole Twilight series over the past couple of years and it was Oof. downright terrible. <laughs> really dissecting it chapter by chapter really just brought out how terrible that series is, but I still love it. But the host, I think, is like actually quite good. <laughs> Very underrated. Yeah, I really like that book. I like meeting other people that like it. I feel like you have like a weird connection where you're like, oh, yes. <laughs> yes. One of the one of the special ones. I have not read The Host, which is why I'm not giving my opinion, but I'm sure it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, okay, favorite genre. So this, I love asking this because it's, you know, favorite book can sometimes be outside of your favorite genre. Like just because something is your favorite book doesn't mean it's the genre you, re you read the most. So what is kind of that genre that you uh, gravitate towards? So definitely like dystopian, post-apocalyptic, apocalyptic, every, like very often those get blended mm -hmm. together anyway, even yeah. though they are quite different. But that I did um, uh, my English Lit Masters and one of the courses I did was on apocalyptic fiction mm. and I fell even more in love with it. Like cool. I did that course because I knew mm. I was into it. Yeah. And then reading some of the classics and discussing it, I was like, oh yeah, this is really like, it feels weird to have that as a favorite genre. Maybe after the Hunger Games, it doesn't feel as weird anymore because right. obviously a lot of it was very popular. Yeah. Um, but especially saying it to people like during a pandemic, <laughs> they're like, are you okay? <laughs> oh man. Oh, I love it when like the government's falling apart and everyone's miserable. Like that's my favorite. <laughs> and you're like, okay. <laughs> yeah. And then also a bit of like sci-fi, YA, like a bit of historical gothic fiction. So like I said, a lot of shades of stuff, shades of gray is what I'm imagining. A lot of gray, like dreary sets. Uh, yep. I love it. <laughs> Um, it's funny too because I feel like your aesthetic is is all like on Instagram and in your videos and stuff is very bright and cheerful. So to have your yeah, books be very I feel great. like I don't know if how well it matches with my personality, but anyone that knows me knows that this is this is yeah, the vibe. Yeah, a hundred percent. All right, your latest mashed potato book, and this is an opportunity because we talk about mashed potato books a lot on the podcast, and we also get a lot of questions saying what the hell are mashed potato <laughs> books. So every single time we get a guest on, I get an opportunity for Raylene to explain what a mashed potato book is to the people. <laughs> yeah, we have to we have to bring it back so that everybody understands once again. Um, so a mashed potato book is this concept that we came up with in the second episode of the podcast, which is just so funny that it goes back that far. It's really, yeah. it's part of the podcast. Um, and it stems from this idea that People often have books that they are saving, that they are wanting to read when the moment is right, and they're just saving it for when they feel like that, that book is time to read. And we paired that up with the idea of saving something <laughs> on your plate for the end of your meal, which is mashed potatoes is what I came up with because I always save my mashed potatoes for last because they're the most delicious part of any meal. And um, But the problem is sometimes you wait too long. Sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, those mashed potatoes are cold. Maybe they're not as good as they would have been if you had read that book back when you meant mm -hmm. to originally. Or maybe you never read the book and you're missing out on something great. So that's yes. kind of the all-encompassing idea of a mashed potato book. <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, Sana, this can either be like the last book you read that was a mashed potato book and you finally got to it. Or a book that you've just, it's become a mashed potato book and like, why haven't you read it yet? I'm going to go for the second option. Okay, there. cool, cool. Um, so, again, I have two. I feel like I'm cheating so much. No, it's like good. It's, it's a good. nice overview. And they're short. So, Garth and X, mm. that I was just talking about, yeah. had a short story bundle. Oh, and I think yeah. some, or at least one of the stories is set in the Old Kingdom series. But then I think there's also vampires. There's a bunch of different things. Love everything about it. Have not read it. Mm. It's one of those books that every time I do a sort of books I really want to read this year and I have to get to <laughs> every time, every time this book comes up. It's been, mm, how many, like five years yeah. since it Season came out and yeah. since I got it. And I just know I love it. I've brought it on holiday with me and I've not read it. Oh, God. It's come back. <laughs> it's really bad. And then the other one is the rest of the Chaos Walking series. Oh. Because oh. the film obviously just came out and I've read the first one and really loved it. I've read so much by Patrick Ness, also one of my favorite authors. And I just have those two other books just sitting around. Mm. I just know I'll probably really enjoy them. Yes. 
some reason just haven't haven't read them (laughs) oh man yeah that's a tragic one i think i did the same thing though i read the first one and then waited a really long time and then decided i needed to reread the first one so that i could just read the whole series because i don't know why i waited to read the rest but they're so good i'm gonna reread the last few chapters i think because i think i remember enough and after watching the film i was like okay i think if i do a few because if i have to start at the beginning i'm probably just gonna read the first one again and then i did that with aragon like four times (laughs) to read the first (laughs) one and then to to read the second one and then just do that over and over again this is why i can't do series i hate waiting i hate waiting and then i oh no, and then I, I i am not the kind of person who would reread aragon four times i'm the kind of person who is like you know what by aragon i can't do it um you have more stamina than i do all right your final uh interview question here what are you currently reading it's fun to know what what like you're in the midst of and it's okay if there's more than one because with me there always is I've actually picked one for this one somehow that was doable. <laughs> and I think it's one that you talked about recently, Clara and the Sun. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I got a proof copy, didn't read it on time for it, like before the release, but then sort of constantly had it on my nightstand and thought, okay, I have to read this, I have to read this. I'm halfway through. I feel like I'm about to get to a point where there's like, you just, you find out something new. Mm. Like, it's, yeah. I feel like it's there. It's coming. It's totally. coming. Uh, yeah, really enjoying it. Like, so readable, so interesting. Very gentle, but, like, a little bit disturbing. Yeah, it's, like, very gentle (laughs) sci-fi. Yeah. Gentle, but disturbing. Yeah, like, things are terrible, but we're not quite sure why. (laughs) (laughs) And also, I feel like I kind of thought, I'm going to have to love this. There's no way I won't love this. So Mm. I'm really nervous that something's going to happen that's going to make me not like it. Oh, that's interesting. I've had that with books before where everything is going great. And then the, the author makes one decision that you're like, well, <laughs> okay, I'll finish it. But it could have been a new favorite. Um, have you read other Ishiguro before? Because Raylene was talking about her whole experience with Never Let Me Go and how she... Oh, my God. Actually, did we talk about this on the podcast, Raylene? Or did you just text me? I think I may re- have just told you about my journey. So, oh, the, yeah. long story short, I read the book when I was 15 or 16 and hated it. And then a couple years later, watched the movie and loved it and decided, oh, I should read the book again one day. And then I reread the book last year. And then I rewatched the movie a couple weeks ago. And I hated the movie. <laughs> But you love the book. I love the time. Right? Yeah, it swapped. So it got flipped. <laughs> I don't know what happened. It was so weird, but I love that book. I think I watched the movie first and enjoyed it. And then I might have seen it twice, always freaking weeping at the end. Mm. And I've read the book as well and loved it. But that somehow hadn't gone further into that author's work. Mm. And then this mm. came out and I was like, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll do this yeah. next. I just, I don't know what it is, but the, the cover the title and the synopsis bundled together it's like the perfect package it's i can't imagine someone who's not enticed to look into clara and the sun it's so beautiful yeah Yeah. i think it's gonna be a really good recommendation book if i like it like that you can recommend to anyone yeah but also i i always expect it to be really like really literary really hard to read Mm. for some reason Mm -hmm. um and then you start reading it and you're like no this is you know super readable Yeah. yeah i had that with emma um, where I was just like, it'd been so long since I'd read like a, a like a really old classic, and so when I started, I was like, oh, okay, I've got to get my my smart brain on because it's gonna take focus. And then once I started reading, I was like, no, this is totally fine. Like, yes, yeah. it's it's a different voice, but it's like, it's not hard. Um, yes. Well, it is now time for us to jump into our recommendations, and I must say, I'm really proud of Raylene and me because I think we got the. <laughs> perfect sauna recommendations um i told raylene i was like sauna loves dystopian like that's her main thing and so uh, raylene went through and picked a few and then i went and cherry picked the perfect sauna ones because i was like um (laughs) but it was still difficult yeah still you know when you read it and i was like that's the perfect question for me and i was like but what's the answer (laughs) now i have to give the perfect answer (laughs) yeah i mean this is what happens to us every single week we get these great recommendations and then we realize we don't actually know what to tell people but thankfully we have you and you'll help us out 
So, Raylene, uh, read us the first one. Okay, yeah, may as well just jump right in with the dystopian one. So this comes from Hannah, and she says, Hello, I recently read The Handmaid's Tale and also started watching the TV series. Before I started reading it, I was under the impression it was going to be a crazy, hardcore dystopian that wasn't very realistic. However, I found myself drawing a scary amount of parallels to our current and present day world. So my task for you, should you choose to accept, <laughs> is to recommend a dystopian book that isn't actually that dystopian. Ariel, George Orwell. 1984 is not allowed. Love from Australia. <laughs> They're constantly calling me out and I do not appreciate it. It's really funny. I love it too when people are like, not a graphic novel. <laughs> yes. I want a novel, please. Because otherwise we'll just go nuts. Oh man. All right. This is a fun one. Um, I like that it was like a dystopian, but something slightly more maybe realistic mm -hmm. near future. So Sana, you start us off. Uh, our guest, please. What do you got? Okay, so the, I thought this was, I went through every dystopian book I've read, and I think a lot of them, I actually was ending up with like apocalyptic novels instead mm -hmm. of dystopian that mm -hmm. seemed more realistic. But also, the current state of the world, there's not a lot <laughs> yeah. that is in dystopian and apocalyptic books that you're like, oh, this isn't happening in the world right totally, now. Totally, totally. So I went for, I have three, Yay, three <laughs> options. Perfect. So I have Never Let Me Go. Oh, there you <laughs> go. Which I don't know if that was <laughs> one that you would have thought of as well. Um, yeah, because I feel like that book feels quite gentle. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it just, you know, set at a boarding school. Like memories of being at that boarding mm -hmm. school. And something is a little bit off. And then obviously something that's in the book that I guess is would be considered a spoiler. Yeah. So I won't talk about. Um, is the thing that is the dystopian thing. Right. But other than that, it feels... Like, you know, that feels like mm. that could be something that could happen potentially. And it doesn't feel 100%. as, like, outlandish as a lot of... There's no, you know, spaceships, etc. Right. So I felt like that was quite a good one for mm -hmm. that. Then there is a book called Vivian versus the Apocalypse, which is part of a duology. Oh, I've heard of this one. And I feel... It was probably on your channel. <laughs> I talked about it a lot because it was one of the first books I worked on when I had my first publishing job. Mm. The author is Katie Coyle. And I just remember seeing this book, I was like, oh my god, this is so right up my street. Yeah. And this is also, this one's more apocalyptic, mm. but it's basically about uh, a religious, it's, it's like, is it a religion? Is it a religious cult? Mm. Who knows? That has basically become really, really popular. And uh, they're saying, oh, the rapture is going to happen tomorrow. Uh, the main character goes, well, Vivian goes to a, like, mock rapture party. Whoa. Like, oh, so fun, you know, <laughs> kind of making fun of it. Comes home, wakes up the next morning, both of her parents are gone, and there's two holes in the ceiling. Oh, my, oh God. My God. <laughs> and loads of people have disappeared. And so it's all about her then going on a road trip and sort of finding out what's happened. But, yeah, Whoa. it has, like, religious cults. It has a lot of, like, climate change and hurricanes and cool lots of things like that happening and so that there's a lot of things like with the handmaid's yeah. tale that you could pick out that you're like that is some of these things are happening wow um, that sounds really good that sounds kind of funny in concept but like also would be horrifying <laughs> yeah it has a lot of like light humor but mm -hmm. then a lot of the stuff that happens is like awful awful mm. and then my final one is knots and crosses by mallory blackman which this, I don't know if you've I don't read think, that one. I don't I think it, but neither, I've never read it. Yeah, we haven't read it. Tell us. Why should we read so it? This is, <laughs> so it's actually the 20th anniversary of mm. this series. Um, and the story is basically... I need to remember like what the actual setup of it is. But the idea is that there is um, the majority who has all the power in England. And um, they're black. Mm. And then there's a minority who are white. And so it's basically... Cool. a look at racism and kind of I think one of those books that made loads and loads of people think about racism as a mm. kid and different power dynamics and, and things like that so it's like a really iconic book like especially in the UK yeah and it's kind of I guess set up as like an alternate history yeah. um but yeah cool. really really interesting and again lots of um similarities with contemporary bet, society yeah. Yeah, I remember they released like a newer cover that was like really dramatic that I really liked. It had like a black and white circle and an X on it, I think. Um, yeah, they've done they've done so many over the years, and mm. it's also a TV series now. Oh, yeah. oh, have you seen it? Do you recommend it? I've seen a few episodes. Yes, definitely. You can watch it on iPlayer, I think. Oh, okay. BBC. 
I wonder, you know, I think I tried to watch something on iPlayer and it was like, you're not in England. And I was like, <laughs> well, I'm in Canada. That's kind of part of England, sort of. <laughs> and they were like, that doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't work well. <laughs> well, Raylene, what did you pick? Well, I decided to go with Unwind by Neil Shusterman. which is Mm. one of my favorite books. I've loved it since I was a teenager. And um, it's a series, but I particularly just recommend the first book. It actually originally came out as a standalone, so you can read it on its own and get the full package. Um, But the basic concept is it's like near future and abortion has been made illegal. So there are all these people who are now potentially having, you know, unwanted children. And the only way to get rid of them is to put them on people's doorsteps or once they become 13 they can be unwound which basically means they take apart their entire body and donate all their organs all their body parts to people who are in need of them but it's kind of against their will (laughs) parents can volunteer their children for this and then just they just get sent away so it's kind of a very dark looking future but i think some parts of it definitely are realistic and could happen Like, this Mm. is kind of a dramatic look at, like, what would happen realistically if this happened? You know, like, if if abortion was made illegal, what would happen to the world? What would that look like? And this is a very, um, very fun, not fun, but a very fast paced (laughs) and, like, easy to read book. Yeah. So as far as dystopians go, it's intense. It's a very intense and fast paced. It's about some kids that are on the run, basically, trying to get away from being unwound. So it's very cool. Fugitive story. I love that. (laughs) I remember I bought this book for my brother because of your recommendation all those years ago, mm. Raylene. So it's in this house somewhere. Oh, good. I need to pick it you up. You should read it. Mm. It's awesome. I remember hearing so much about it back in the day. And I, I think this is one that was also translated into Dutch, oh. which doesn't happen. Mm. Like, yeah. there, there's limited, like, Dutch YA. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's one that I definitely was interested in. And I've recently read the Scythe trilogy. Oh, and so yeah. I want to go back and read more Neil Schuster. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's great. I still need to read Scythe, but people love that series so i hope that more people dive back into his older books because of it because i think unwind is his best work (laughs) (laughs) i love that sound effect that was great um okay well the the two books that i picked um one of which you mentioned as one of your favorite books on it and it it is station 11 um so when i read this Just like you, uh, Sana, I was like, yeah, this is a cool recommendation request. Although, actually, how the hell do I answer this? Um, And I was literally talking with my boyfriend and I was like, isn't the whole point of a dystopian that it kind of could happen? Mm -hmm. Like, it's just like, it's like, it, you know, it, it is kind of near future. That's why it's so Or it's scary. commentary on stuff yes, that's yes, already happening. Or exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. so it is kind of hard to get away from it being... But I know I think I know what Hannah means when she's like a crazy hardcore dystopian where it's like the maze runner and you're like a bunch of kids stuck in a moving <laughs> yeah. maze and then it's like That's okay crazy. yeah or, or or like the fifth wave where it's like these plagues are hitting hitting the world or whatever so I avoiding those the station 11 <clears throat> damn it that book is so good and like Sana you are, I was glad that you talked about it actually because I was like I'm just gonna come in here with a backup of like how much <laughs> I love that book and it's funny because I remember you and Lena and a few others talking about that book when it came out and I was like oh yeah I've got to check that out and I bought it like the year it came out because everyone was talking about it and I didn't read it until 2020 <laughs> Miss Pandemic year and um for me that was perfect because it was like it oh, it's like you know how you feel scared when you watch Black Mirror because you're like hold on a minute mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like fiction <laughs> that's how I felt about Station Eleven I was like oh my god <laughs> we're right here this is happening um yeah like virus wiping out ninety nine percent of the population is it's a hard one to read yeah exactly so obviously if if it's not your moment to read pandemic literature <clears throat> don't read Station Eleven. But uh, if you do think that you can handle it or you're interested in kind of seeing some literary thoughts on like what is it is to go through a pandemic, I think it, it's so good. And it is fast paced, like there is a lot going on, but it's also very thoughtful and kind of literary. I loved it. Uh, the other book, <laughs> I kind of just to spite Hannah because she said that I couldn't talk about 1984. <laughs> I was like, fine, I'll talk about its precursor, We by Evgeny Zamyatin. Um, have you read this one, Sana? I was like, maybe you read it. I really it. want to. It's on my mm-hmm. list. I was for like, sure. maybe yeah. you read it in that uh, college course because that's how that's where I read mine in, in my university dystopian course. We were told to read this one. 
And it's kind of like, it's a little embarrassing for Orwell, I think, because it's so similar to 1984. So you're like, okay, Mr. Orwell, I see where you got (laughs) most of your ideas. But the reason that I actually wanted to talk about it was because, like Hannah asked, it is not as hardcore as 1984. So like in 1984, it's like every room has a telescreen and you're constantly being surveilled. Well, because we, just because when it was written, a lot of those ideas of surveillance and stuff are way more rudimentary. So the the like classic example is that instead of a telescreen, everyone's ha- houses are just glass. So you can't see or you can like you can't have privacy because everyone can see you at all times. So it's kind of cool thinking about like what surveillance and a dystopian government would be like before technology. Yeah. Um as a historical text, it's it's really cool and I really enjoyed it. So I recommend that one. I think we nailed it, guys. I think we did a great Rock job roll. here. <laughs> Plenty to read. Raylene, what's up next? Okay, up next we have a request from Meg. Oh, this one's really fun. She says, hi there. I'm looking for some audiobook recommendations. I'm a farmer and I've really gotten into listening to an audiobook while I go out and check on my cows, but I've found that certain topics or genres of books don't mix well with the vibe <laughs> of my peaceful and happy gals. Cows and horror slash thriller slash murder mysteries just don't work for me. What I am looking for our audiobooks can be fiction or non-fiction about nature and our place in it. Recent favorites have been How to Do Nothing by Jenny O'Dell, Braiding Sweetgrass by Robin Wall Kimmerer, or something with off-the-wall cozy vibes that is soothing to listen to. So that's another one from Australia. Heck yeah. Yeah. I was really excited about this one. I mean, first of all, I just love the idea of somebody like listening to audiobooks while they take care of their cows. That's beautiful to me. Um, But also, I wanted to do this one last time that we recorded and we ended up picking something else for some reason. And then when it was Sana's week, I was like, this is perfect for Sana because Sana, I feel like a lot of your videos and your Instagrams and stuff are like you outside in nature in these peaceful, like British countrysides. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I was like, this is perfect. So what did you pick? See, that works in theory (laughs) until you know that I'm listening to like end of the world stuff as my audiobook <laughs> while I'm walking through the countryside. But I think I found some interesting ones that are maybe kind of like mm. on the edge of that. I don't have anything super like the only cozy thing that I can think of that I'm like interested in reading is like Anne of Green Gables, like something like yeah. that. But I have I have some other I have some other titles. So there's one book that I haven't read yet, but I I've bought and it looks gorgeous and I'm so excited to read it. And it I don't know if I'll like it, but it is Entangled Life by Merlin Sheldrake. Mm. I don't know if you've seen it. It has a beautiful cover and it's like a nonfiction book about the world of fungi. Whoa. Oh, it's so funny because what people can't see is that uh, Sana said the book and then me and Raylene both went to typing mode <laughs> to look up. What does this book look like? Uh, it's beautiful. It's so nice. It's beautiful. Like that was a part cover buy for sure. If yeah. that had a really ugly, obscure cover, I don't know if I would have picked it up. But there was some hype around it and I was like, ooh, that is very, great very particular topic. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I'm interested in it. I think that would be a great pick for Meg because she says that she liked braiding sweetgrass. And I know that there's part in braiding sweetgrass about how like trees communicate through fungi. So clearly there's a fungi angle here. (laughs) Perfect, perfect. And then I also thought maybe some sci-fi, but like some chill sci-fi. So I thought maybe Record of a Spaceborn Few by Becky Chambers. Yeah, I've only read like part of, what is her big book? A really big book by her. A small, beautiful planet, small little planet. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Ac- my tongue. You know what it is across the universe. The long, the long, the long way to a small, a small angry, planet. A small angry planet. Yeah, we got there. <laughs> we did it together so sorry, through Becky teamwork. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I interviewed Becky Chambers, mm. uh, which is hilarious because I never actually put that interview out because it's for a future podcast one oh. day, <laughs> one day. Um, but basically, we we talked a lot about inclusivity in sci-fi and like what it means to be human Mm. and sort of a really accessible sci-fi and I think a lot of this is about you know people have moved away from earth and assimilated with like the wider space community and what that means like where do you find a home so even though it's not about nature I felt like it was about yeah that sounds cool totally and I have one last one (laughs) which is either so like I was thinking countryside so either a a Jane Austen's sense and sensibility being by the coast Mm -hmm. there is some upheaval some drama but you know it's (laughs) It's mild Jane Austen drama (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, or anything else historical. So I thought maybe Longbourn by Joe Baker, oh, which yeah. is um, Pride and Prejudice from the point of view of the servants. Again, there's obviously, it's not all going to be like cozy and happy. But again, that's something that might feel like sort of appropriate, like the countryside setting for working with your cows. I love it. I love it. Those were those were great. I like I actually think that that sci-fi recommendation totally works and I would not have picked a sci-fi book. So mm-hmm. I think that that's really cool. Uh Raylene, what did you got? Well, I'm I'm curious. What did you pick? <laughs> well, I kind of picked something very random because I don't read a lot of books that are about nature or take place outdoors and if I if I have, I've already recommended them and um, I don't really read a lot of cozy books either. So I was like, what could I recommend that I think would just be a great audiobook that's not too stressful? Mm-hmm. And um, I actually decided to pick a book that I just recently listened to on audiobook. I just finished it yesterday, okay. actually. And that is Crying in H Mart by Michelle Zahner. It just oh, came out cool recently. Oh, cool to hear that you read this. We yeah. both got the audiobook for this. And as always, it was, Raylene has beat me to yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just finished listening to it and it was incredible. It is a memoir. Uh, Michelle Zahner is actually a musician. She is a musician called Japanese Breakfast, and so that's what she's most well known for. But she wrote this book because in, I think it was 2015 or 2016, her mom died of cancer. And this story is about about her childhood, about how she grew up and kind of had a complicated relationship with her mom. And Hmm. um, this is about how she, you know, reconciled with that and took care of her mom and tried to reconnect with her mom through food. So this book is like a lot of it is about food and about her trying to connect to her mom's Um, culture which is Korean and so Mm. she is trying to like cook food that comes from Korea and doing that to try and reconnect with her mom while she's still alive and it's a very touching story obviously it made me cry many times but I think it's Mm -hmm. it's a nice kind of thing to listen to because it's very calming Michelle's voice is very easy to listen to so I feel like you know milking cows and listening to this kind of sad but touching story (laughs) would be kind of perfect oddly (laughs) that's really cool I um I started listening to the audio, this, that audiobook, and first of all, it was great narration. Mm-hmm. So I agree of, of it as specifically as an audiobook, but also, um, I, I, I stopped listening to it because I was like, okay, I need to be in the right headset for this because this is going to make me emotional. Because mm-hmm. like she's mixed race, which already any, it's like any story that starts with a mixed race character. I'm like, oh god. I'm going to see a lot of myself here and I don't know if I'm prepared. But like she's talking about how like the grocery stores around her don't have the ingredients for her mom's food. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I cannot tell you how hard it is for me to find. And especially now that I live in Nova Scotia, like there is no none of the ingredients that my mom uses in her food. Mm -hmm. So we're having to like go into the big city, drive all the way to Halifax to like find those things. And I'm just like... That is, it was really good the way that she wrote that. And that was like just in the first chapter. I can't imagine the whole book. Yeah. It's a lot of great, greatness. <laughs> um, all right. Well, what did I pick? <laughs> I say that. Guys, tell me what I picked. No. Um, here it is. I actually, actually, really, this was the book I finished last week as well. Whoa. Uh, the Sound of a Wild Snail Eating. <laughs> I've like, never heard of that before. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a specific book uh, by Elizabeth Tova Bailey. So I looked this up and it is an audiobook. I didn't listen to the audiobook. Unfortunately, it's an Audible exclusive. So if you don't want to support Audible, then you're not going to be able to listen to this one. But get a free trial, guys. Use a different email. Um, This was such a delightful book. And I don't remember who recommended it to me. It was someone on Instagram or something. And it's about this woman who goes on a vacation or like a little getaway trip to like the Alps somewhere. And she ends up getting sick with some flu, um, some pathogen that this little town is suffering from. And then she gets really sick. So she like gets back home. She goes to the hospital cause she's like passing out all of the time. Like she can't stand up for very long. And the doctors don't really know what happened to her. And like, what you realize throughout the book is that this never gets fixed. Like it's been 20 years since this happened. She's been dealing with this illness for 20 years and it's become just like part of her life. Um, and it's so, it's it starts with this like really scary, and the, oh my God, guys, the prologue, 
chilling it was chilling because she's like she's like it goes from like a fun little vacation and the cover is so cute and then she's suddenly really sick and she can't breathe and you're like what the what the hell's going on and then so she's at home and she's laying but she basically lays in bed all day every day because she's bedridden and um one of her friends comes to visit her one day and brings her a snail that she saw outside in the garden. And she's like, I thought you might like the snail. And she's like, why would I want a snail? And she's like, I don't know. I just thought, you know, maybe it'd be nice to look at the snail. And she's like, uh, and then the girl, the friend leaves and she's stuck with the snail. And the book is about two things. One, her relationship with this snail and two, learning about snails. And I was like, I didn't realize I needed this, but I did. It was so beautiful. It was super cool. Um, I learned a lot about snails. Perhaps too much about snails, but I know Is a there lot. such a thing? No. <laughs> like, literally, she was sharing. Because she, like, throughout this journey of her learning about snails, read like all of the literature on snails and it's been like it was like this really fascinating part where she's talking about how like charles darwin hated snails (laughs) because because he couldn't understand how they got to islands couldn't figure that out (laughs) and and he couldn't figure it it drove him crazy so like uh there's all of this cool um 17th century and 18th century stuff that she's put in there but then also it's this like story of how someone who is chronically ill Uh, deals with their chronic illness and what like this having a pet that is like you could just watch them doing stuff how that helps her illness so it was so good it was so weird and it was short you know it was super short it was like 100 pages so i really recommend that the other book i can barely talk about because i haven't read it so i'm really glad you did when you hadn't read either yet sana um is flaneuse by lauren elkin have you guys heard of this book i think so i think i recognize the title but i don't know anything about it yeah so i was just checking that it was actually an audiobook and it is an audiobook but the audiobook cover is ugly whereas the cover of the physical book is so beautiful yeah it is so beautiful um i will admit to a cover purchase on this one um because other similar to you (laughs) with your mushroom books on it otherwise i don't know if i would have picked up a book about women walking uh so this is the sub the subtitle is women walk the city in paris new york tokyo venice and london and um it's just about like uh, i think it's essays from different women and or the same author i forget but just walking from 19th century novelist george sand to artist sophie cal from war wow. correspondent war correspondent Martha Gellhorn to filmmaker Agnes Varda, Flaneuse considers what is at stake when a certain kind of light-footed woman encounters the city and changes her life one step at a time. Hmm, it's about women walking. <laughs> Sounds cool. Sounds great. And it's an audiobook, so hopefully we gave nice. her some good cow material. <laughs> some good options. I hope, now I'm like wondering, now I hope that the fungi book is actually in audio, which I didn't double check. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. That can be the one that she like reads when she comes back in from milking the cows. That's true. She didn't, even say, she didn't even say milking. It might not be a milk farm. There's, but like more, there's more than milking. <laughs> there's more than milking. All right, really, what is our last one? Oh, this one is so fun. So this one comes from Katie who says, I just watched Chaos Walking and found it super enjoyable to watch, so I bought the book. I was wondering what book-to-movie adaptations you would recommend, and should I see the movie or read the book first? Mm. Or a movie you've seen and now want to read what it's based on? Love the pod. Thanks, Katie. I needed to do this one for Sana, because Sana has been my main source of book-to-movie adaptation news for the past 10 years. Sana, like, uh, at least once a year, but usually a couple times a year, you'll do, Mm -hmm. like, a a book-to-movie adaptation news kind of thing where you're like, these are the books that are being turned into movies, etc. Yeah, just a heads up in case you want to read it before it comes out, and you don't have to find out about it, like, two weeks before it comes out. (laughs) It's great. So I thought this was perfect for you. What did you pick? Okay, I've got two. Cool. So this is actually a reading list in the journal as well, which is really fun. Oh, oh, fantastic. Because I love... I love discussing book to film adaptations during a book club because you have you have like two things to talk about. Yes, and it's really fun. Totally. But I picked one that's the first one that's not actually on the list because 
hadn't come out yet. Mm. Uh, Shadow and Bone. It's oh. the talk of the town. It is the talk of the town. <laughs> Me and Raylene keep talking about how it's the talk of the town and we can't talk because we haven't been to that town. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I used to own a copy of Shadow and Bone. I gave it away in my last move, I think, because mm. I was like, eh, eh, you know, I have a lot of other books to read. Yeah. And then, of course, the freaking adaptation news happens and I was still a bit like, ah, eh, who knows? And then the hive starts and... I was asking people, like, should I read Shadow and Bone? Or should I read Six of Crows? I already have the Six of Crows audiobook. Mm-hmm. And everyone basically went, just watch Shadow and Bone and then read Six of Crows. Oh, interesting. So that's that's the advice I'm going to give. I have started listening to Six of Crows and I really enjoyed Shadow and Bone. Um, so I think that's... An, and obviously, you can also still read the Shadow yeah. and Bone trilogy. Yeah, well, um, but yeah, the so that's show, quite an interesting one. The show is a mixture, right? Or yeah, it has characters from Six of Crows that, like... Because I think that's set after oh, the Shadow okay. and Bone, like, story. But so you pick them up a bit earlier in, like, a separate uh, see, side story, as, as far cool. as I know. Yeah. Yeah, it's more of, like, the... It's kind of cool, isn't it? Like, her whole world is kind of being adapted. Yeah. As opposed yeah. to just... Because, like, the Grishaverse is yes. such a big, big yeah, yeah. thing already anyway. I kept hearing people talk about the Grishaverse, and I was like, no idea what they're all about. <laughs> um, but now I do. <laughs> and then my other one is, I think, one of my favorite book-to-film adaptations in recent times. Ooh. Emma, which I know you have talked oh, about recently as well. 10 out of 10. Uh, but that film is incredible. I love the book. I just think it's such an interest, And I'm, I'm one of those people who is like, sometimes I'm really passionate about like changes from book to film, but I think the older I get, yeah. the more I understand that I like to make something a good film, yeah. you need to make some changes sometimes. Sacrifices so I, must be made! <laughs> exactly. And I think with Jane Austen especially, I'm not like a Jane Austen purist. Yeah. So I'm a bit like, is a good film. Is the same story, same characters, mm-hmm. works for me. Yeah. And also, as a lover of the 2005 Pride and Prejudice adaptation, mm. that is the vibe too. So Yeah. I thought you were going to say as a lover of Anya Taylor-Joy, and I was like, <laughs> yeah, you're right. She can't do anything wrong. <laughs> no, exactly. She can do whatever the hell she wants. I um, That soundtrack, the costumes, oh everything. And I think it's going to be such a good so one beautiful. for getting people into Jane Austen as well. Yeah, I agree. 100%. I, um, I would have never read Emma if I hadn't watched that specific movie. I wouldn't have agreed to read it because <laughs> it's I, so good. I'm not a Jane Austen person but I did love that movie yeah our uh when we're recording this our Emma episode hasn't come out yet but it will come out by the time that this episode is out. <laughs> oh, fun. um but in that episode we talked a bit about the 2020 adaptation um have you seen the miniseries version I think I've seen them all Okay, cool. I mean, I don't know how far they go back, but yeah, the yeah, recent ones yeah, I've yeah. seen. Yeah, I have a hard time remembering like what is in what. Yeah, totally. yeah. I I kind of I kind of just enjoy every version of it because I love yeah. seeing the story, and I do have thoughts about like, oh, I like this Mister Knightley more, I like this combination more, whatever. Yes, but I'm not that bothered about like certain scenes they leave in or out that totally. kind of thing. I really agree with that, and it was like an. I agree that it it has something that has happened as I've gotten older. Like when I was a teenager, I was more obsessed with like. Why isn't that one ghost in that Harry Potter movie? I'm like, <laughs> now as an adult, I'm like, oh, because it's irrelevant. <laughs> like, there was 18 million other decisions that have to be made with yeah. every one of these adaptations. And I actually love it. It's so much fun, more fun to get kind of different takes. And it's like, okay, this is clearly a sassier Emma. So there's going to be decisions you make to make her seem a little sassier. Um, I was actually just watching some YouTube video, some, I don't know what it was. She was compare some YouTuber. She never showed her face, so I don't know like Ooh. what her name was. She mysterious. was very, she was very mysterious. Um, but she was talking about like four different Emma adaptations. Um, I completely forgot about the Kate Beckinsale version that is in there. I like didn't even realize that that was a thing. It's, yeah. I can't even imagine a brunette Emma. It feels so wrong <laughs> for some reason. But like she was talking about the different versions and she showed the same clip from, from from each version and, oh. and it's the moment when Emma is really rude to Mrs. Bates or to Miss mm-hmm. Bates. And um, in the new version, it's the only version out of those four, uh, like the miniseries and the three films, it's the only one where they changed the text a little bit. And instead of Emma saying like, um, I'm, I'm going to butcher this, but instead of her being like, well, it's going to be difficult for you though, Miss Bates, because um, you have to like only have three. 
right? You can only say three ridiculous things. And everyone's like, oh, the biggest scandal in Highbury we've ever experienced. Um, in the new version, Emma is a, is a lot ruder. She's more rude. And she basically is like, when have you ever stopped at three? And just that one little spin of it is a little sassier. It's a little more cruel. Yeah, it's like less implied and more just like more direct. Yeah, it's a little mm. more direct. Um, that I think makes the whole thing feel a little more modern, like we were saying. And so I, I agree with you guys. I think it's going to help people get into Austin. It's so funny too, because I'm right there with you, Sano. The 2005 Kira Knightley version is so important to me. <laughs> Favorite film of all time. It, I'm going to go out there. And yeah, it. it's in my top four. Like, it's the movie I've rewatched the most for sure. Oh, yeah. But like that movie, I, because I'm so attached to it, I recently, and it was like a year ago now, but I heard that they were doing a new Pride and Prejudice adaptation and there hasn't been any news of it lately. So I don't know. Hmm. Probably Corona, like just stopped, like halted yeah. stuff. But I got angry. I was like, why would they do that? I was like, we already have it. We ha- we they made it. Kieran Knightley stars in it. They already made it. And I'm like, I'm like, actually, Ariel, it's okay. It's okay. You can still watch the Kieran Knightley version when the new one comes out. Have you watched Lost in Austin? Yes. Oh man. It's freaking fun. Another classic. Yeah, really. Lost in Austin is this really crazy uh, thing where, like, it's a girl or a woman in our day and age. Okay. Somehow she falls through a bathtub, like, a little, there's like a little door in her bathroom, sort of. And she opens the door and she's in Pride and Prejudice. And Elizabeth Bennett goes the other way and ends up in modern time. What? And so <laughs> she, like, Elizabeth Bennett is like, this is sick. She, like, cuts her hair and she's, like, a, a modern <laughs> independent woman. And uh, our main character is over there and she's like, oh, shit, without Elizabeth Bennett, this is all going to go horribly wrong. I need to fix the plot. And so she can't. And she turn. thinks she knows how to do it. Yeah. But of course, she immediately messes all of it up. And I think <laughs> the characters are even more like caricatures of what they yeah. usually are. What's the oh, the cousin's name? Uh, Collins, Mr. Collins. He is the nastiest, <laughs> grossest Mr. Collins I've ever seen. Yeah, like yeah. they do it so well. And my one of my favorite tropes is like a character being stuck out of time, yeah. like being in the wrong to and like have taking modern stuff into the yeah. olden days and that kind of stuff. So that it does that as well. And I think a lot of Austin purists are probably like. Oh no, this show, but I, I love it. I have it on DVD. I love it so much. It's it's really fun. Well, me and uh, Sana got to have our Austin moment here. <laughs> Raylene, apologize, apologies. <laughs> I'm sure uh, people loved it. It's okay. The people loved it. What did you pick, Raylene, for um, your favorite book to movie adaptations or like ones oh, you yes. recommend, etc.? I forgot what, what recommendation we were on. Yeah. We <laughs> went on such a tangent that I was like, what, tangent. Did, I, what did I pick? Um, so for this one, I... I didn't really think too hard about it. I just picked a book or yeah, I watched this movie a couple of days ago and immediately I'm oh, like, wow. I need to read this book. So that's what I've decided to pick. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. So it is The Stepford Wives by Ira Levin. Oh. My friend and I watched the original movie that came out in 1975, I think. And then we immediately watched the Nicole Kidman one right after. And yeah, my God, yeah. what a contrast. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> The 70s one was so impeccable and smart and good and well Mm. done and hilarious and scary and just everything all at once. And then the Nicole Kidman one was garbage. (laughs) So I don't recommend that one. (laughs) But after having seen the first movie, I want to read this book so badly. Um, For those who don't know, Ira Levin also wrote Rosemary's Baby. Um, So this movie has kind of like Rosemary's Baby meets like... The Midwich Cuckoos by John Wyndham. So it's kind of like Mm. spooky, but not horror, like not outright horrific. It's kind of more like low-key sci-fi. You know something weird is going on, but you don't know what it is. And Mm -hmm. it's just about an idyllic town that these people move to and the the main character is trying to figure out what the hell's going on there's something strange going on and she needs to get to the bottom of it and it's yeah very very good movie so i'm dying to read the book now the only problem is trying to find a cool copy because the covers for it that you can buy are not very good i want an old like i didn't even know there was an older adaptation oh it's incredible i highly recommend it so when did the book come out then i am i think i pulled it up here let me see 1972 Oh, wow. Mm. Yeah, so the book came out in 72, and then I think the first movie came out in 75. Um, I remember watching the Nicole Kidman version when I was, like, a kid, like, with my parents. 
I don't remember if I liked it or not. I just remember it was... I watched it recently. It's a lot. It's just <laughs> like, a lot, a lot. It's so silly. It takes such a smart idea and just like explodes it into a million different pieces. And uh, it did, ha- like, I- I'll say it does have a couple of funny parts, but it just wasn't the same vibe at all <laughs> as the first movie. And um, yeah, Was I definitely... the first movie funny? Is it supposed to be funny? Yeah, it's like okay, it's witty. Like it's it's sharp. Mm-hmm. There's a because there's mm-hmm. a character who lives in the town that the main character moves into who has already lived there for a month, and she's just like very snappy, and she just kind of like scoops the main character under her wing, and they become best friends, and they just like the way they talk is so funny. It's such a well written script, so I can only imagine mm. how how it is in the book as well. But it's just very snappy. I love it so much. Totally. Well, the book to movie adaptations I picked our book to mini series adaptations. So everyone leave me alone. <laughs> I, um, the first one must be spoken about. It's N with an E. Mm. The most important series probably to me now. Um, I know you've seen it, right, Sana? You've like- I, that, t- that TV show, I'm going to watch it again. I've, I recently rewatched all of it. Yeah. And I want to read the book, but yeah. when I started reading the book, it was so close to the first few episodes of the TV show that I was like, I'm going to have to wait a bit. Okay. Yeah. It, it was like, because I was, I felt like I was reading the oh, script. Oh, that's funny. So I've, I'm only one who's read the book and hasn't watched the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is funny. Cause I keep saying I'm going to read the book. Um, and honestly, it's a mashed potato situation. I'm just like so excited to read it that I'm scared to read it. Yeah, um, but yeah, the show. God damn it! <laughs> I I just I I don't even know what to say. If I haven't convinced the listeners of this podcast to watch N with an E yet, I don't know what other angle I can attack this at. But it is so beautiful. It makes me so happy. It, it, it's like imagine your happiest place. Oh, it turns out it's N with an E. So that show is just, it's so happy. I don't know how it is as an adaptation, right? Like, I don't know if it's, if it is making, I know like in the later seasons, there's characters introduced that I can't imagine. Like, I don't think Cole is probably in the books, Hmm. Um, but it's so beautifully done. And it's such a good example of a modern retelling of a very old story done in a way that is diverse and inclusive um because i i also i can't imagine that maybe in some of the later books but i really can't imagine that in the books they talk about what's happening to indigenous peoples um in the area of canada at the time um which is really interesting because it's sort of like you know why do we love Anne? because she's this like girl who loves nature and and it's like okay well what's going on with young girls of Anne's age in the indigenous communities in canada at that time so it's super cool to have that angle but then you also have this big lgbt side with cole's character so it's like they do this really cool modern like bringing it to a 21st century perspective but it's still completely set in its time period and you get to have the fun of just like no you know it's old-timey Canada. PEI, baby. I now live very close to Prince Edward Island, and this summer, COVID allowing, obviously, um, if we're allowed to, my my brother and boyfriend and I would really like to like do a little road trip to PEI, mm-hmm. cross the old Confederate Bridge. Confederate Bridge is really cool. It's the it's like a, a bridge that... <laughs> now I'm talking about a bridge. I'm really sorry, guys. I had a coffee, <laughs> and it clearly has affected me. Um, Confederate Bridges is really freaking cool bridge where you go, it's over a kilometer long, um, that connects Prince Edward Island to mainland Canada. Wow. Um, which before it was built was, is only, um, accessible by boat, obviously by ferry, but Mm -hmm. now it's, there's a bridge there. So in actually in the show, Sana, you will have seen like all the times that they ever want to leave PEI, they've got to take a boat. Now they could take... They can they can take the bridge. Nice. Anyways, nice. end with an E. Super good, and one of these book to movie adaptations where I really really need to read the book. The other one I wanted to mention is Looking for Alaska, because uh-huh. I felt like that was kind of a sleeper uh, adaptation. Like people who were really hardcore about Looking for Alaska were excited about it, but I didn't feel like it reached kind of mainstream. Hmm. Be- I think the big reason is because it was kind of hard to find it. Yeah, like, um, I, I couldn't watch it when it came out because there was no way for me to watch it. Now I think it's on something. 
There's some kind yeah, of yeah here here in Canada it's on CBC Gem. Oh right. uh, yes, <laughs> CBC being the BBC, but in Canada somewhere. Um, oh, CBC. I know Canadian Broadcasting <laughs> that <makes> Corporation. <laughs> yeah, CBC. Um, so the CBC has an app called Gem. I don't know why they called it Gem. They really didn't need to. It could have just called been called the CBC app, and it would have been fine. But um, on CBC Gem, you can watch it for free. Raylene, you can. They'll just have ads occasionally yeah. throughout it, or you can pay like four dollars. I say this because we just, me and my boyfriend just paid for the app to get rid of the ads because we couldn't stand it. Because we, we were um, we were watching the final season of Kim's Convenience, another Canadian classic. Uh, Sana, Kim's Convenience. <laughs> It's the most Canadian show ever. It's a immigrant family from Korea who own a convenience store in Toronto. Mm-hmm. So um, anyways, it's on there. As is Anne with an E, but Anne is also on Netflix. But yeah, Looking for yeah. Alaska was so good. I thought it was such a good adaptation. And I was super glad that they made it a miniseries and not a movie. Because yeah, I definitely. felt like they were able to really explore the characters and really explore everything that there is to unpack in that book. I felt like it was really graceful and really understated in a way I appreciated. I was like, yeah, this adaptation was not meant to be like dramatic like Riverdale like it wasn't meant to be like um over the top drama or anything it was just meant to like it was felt very much like the book quiet Mm, and kind of um personal I really enjoyed it so I definitely want to vouch for that one those are great we did it yay wow guys we talked about so many books we nailed it we we (laughs) did a great great. job here it was difficult (laughs) even though it's like totally it can be totally your genre and then still like finding that right book it's tricky it is tricky i'm glad you said that because we struggle every week (laughs) 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 now that people know that this is actually kind of hard and if uh if people have submitted recommendations that we haven't gotten to reply to yet it's either because we get a lot of them so we haven't picked it or because we don't know what to say we're just like oh my god we have no idea (laughs) thank you sana so much for hanging out with us this has been such a fun episode thanks Um, for having me you are on instagram youtube probably are you on twitter books and quills right same tag everywhere i love that. soon to be on tiktok maybe oh god we're me and Riley are scared of tiktok we don't understand it at all (laughs) we just don't understand tiktok but you know what everyone keeps telling me that we're supposed to be on tiktok so it's probably a good career move somehow um also (laughs) that's really fun i feel like the thing about tiktok is i don't have to be on tiktok and I still see TikToks all the time. Mm-hmm. Like people are share oh, right. them, share them everywhere. So I feel like I'm slowly being un- like understanding the culture. I'm just so old. I just can't bother anymore. <laughs> I just have to know it for my job. Like as a social yeah. media person, I have to know what's up because people will ask me, oh, like, God. what's the deal with book talk? And I need to know book what's talk. up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man, you know what? It we're, we're I feel so old when I hear you say book talk because, like you said, we were all on YouTube before it was called BookTube mm-hmm. and. And now, yeah. th- now there's before a thing. Before Bookstagram, before, before oh literally gosh. before TikTok was even an idea in yeah. someone's mind. Before there we Vine were. was even an idea. <laughs> <laughs> we have watched social medias come and go, and here we remain. <laughs> okay, everyone, check out Sana, Books and Quills everywhere, but she's also linked in the show notes. Definitely check out her new book club journal because it's super beautifully done thank you well before we go everyone we're about to go and record our patreon mini podcast with sauna books on bucket where we talk about what are some of our bookish opinions that have changed over the years are we the readers that we once were answer no (laughs) so we will head over there check that out if you want to on our patreon sauna thank you so much for being on the podcast it was a delight (laughs) absolutely and we will talk to you all next week goodbye everyone Bye. bye